Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. All right, welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Now we're joined by the one and only Kyle Krabs. Usually we get Kyle before the draft, but this year we get him reacting to what the Giants did. He's from the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. He does that with Joe Marino, who we did have on earlier in the draft process. Kyle, it's good to see you, man. Are you still decompressing or have you decompressed? Uh, in the process of decompressing, <laughs> it's it's almost it's a whole different workload to, to re-upload everything you think you know about the teams. And, and for a team like New York, who obviously had such a fun season last year and getting the stack wins on top of that by addressing some really key needs throughout the course of this offseason is uh, it, it's easy to get enthused about the Giants. And, and it's the first time in a long time that I think you and I have gotten together and, and I felt that way. So it's it's nice to to again just reevaluate what you think you know about the teams and this new direction with Joe Shane and Brian Dable obviously success in year 1 and I think they've set themselves up well for success here as well. Yeah, very different process selecting 25th than in the top 10, which is a nice right. change because that means your regular season was much more successful for sure. We're going to start here with the undrafted free agents. We'll give we'll get Kyle's opinion on the draft class in general. Uh if you want to go check out our previous podcast, we had Connor Rogers on. He did the draft class first. So we're going to reverse it this this time up and we're going to start with the uh, UDFAs. So Kyle, let, let's start here. Habakkuk Baldonado, outside linebacker from Pittsburgh. Really interesting story because he was born and grew up in Rome, but he's a football player. So tell us about him. Yeah, he's he's a pretty toolsy player, too. I know some of his athletic profile presents as somebody who you feel like has a pretty good chance to to stick if he gets the right opportunity. And uh, obviously had the, the fall off in production. He had nine sacks and 12, 12 tackles for loss in 2021. And those numbers regressed this past year. But you know, guys who have requisite level pass rush ability and have production to back it up and, and are 6'3", 250 with 33-inch arm. Like he, there's a lot of boxes checked here. So this is somebody for, I, th- I think, is probably a victim of the depth of the pass rush group in this year's draft class. As, as far as going undrafted, where there was a lot of really likable names, there, there were guys coming off the board in the fifth round that you thought might have had a chance to be top 100 picks as it concerns with the pass rush group in its entirety. So I think Baldonado's a a really interesting name. I think he's somebody with that Giants edge group that is ripe with competition. And I think some opportunity with some of the turnover that's happened there. 
He's somebody I wouldn't be surprised actually ends up making this 53-man roster when it's all said and done if he's fully healthy throughout the, the course of the summer. You know, Kyle, I think you feel good. You mentioned his arm length, 33 inches. He's a strong player. You mentioned his sack production did drop, but I think you got to feel pretty good about him as an edge setter in the run game pretty much right away, right? Yeah, and those those Pittsburgh defensive ends, too. You think about Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver. Like there, There's a pretty good recent lineage of guys who come in and they have a genuine understanding of how to perform the baseline functions. This is not just we're playing in a wide nine system and you you guys go wreak havoc in the backfield and your liability on the early downs. Uh, and, and I think that's a testament to or that, that's attested to how balanced his production has been throughout the course of his career. You know, the, this past season in Pittsburgh was was not the season that it was previously, but He's been a balanced player, and I think that sets a high floor for expectations, even if the ceiling isn't as high as some of the other guys in the class. All right, let, let's knock out the defensive side of the ball here first. Let's go to cornerback. Uh, Gamon Green, obviously, we saw him when everyone watched DJ Turner this year, right? And they're like, oh, look at that other cornerback. And I think he does check some of the boxes with the traits, right? 6'1", 183, so he's a little bit longer. That's a Wink Martindale likes. Ran a 4'5", 240, you know, not... Uh, elite, but certainly good enough to, to to play outside. Your thoughts on Green, the cornerback out of Michigan? Yeah, I certainly think he got overshadowed a little bit by TJ Turner, who took a big step forward, and that was attested to him getting drafted in the second round by the Bengals uh, in, in this year's class. But uh, Green was a player who I thought was scrappy, combative. These long corners are obviously all the rage. You hope maybe you can get a little bit more mass stacked onto his frame to play with the kind of physicality that look no further than Deontay Banks, right? And the physicality that he brings as kind of the threshold of what you'd ideally like to get, but he's got the frame to do it. The concern obviously is, okay, well, if you stack more weight on him, he's already a mid four fives guy speed wise. Can you trust him vertically? So I think he's going to have to continue to develop with discipline and his technique as you put more weight on his frame or else you're going to have a more matchup specific type player if you don't feel comfortable putting that extra weight on no question about it. All right, stick on defense. Let's go to linebacker. Let's start with Troy Brown, the linebacker out of Ole Miss. Not the biggest guy, just just over six foot, 220 pounds. He did have good explosive numbers at the combine, or rather at his pro day. Uh, four six nine forty, probably not as fast as you would like for a guy that's just 223. Yeah, but th- that 38-inch vert and that 10-7 broad or whatever it was, is those are heck of, heck of good numbers, right? So. Yeah. Uh, transferred from a directional Michigan, if I'm remembering correctly, and uh, spent the, the year at Ole Miss this past year and was a productive player. So you, you like seeing a guy from a smaller level of competition who makes that big leap, goes to Ole Miss, and is productive. Um, and the, the, those explosion numbers are hard to ignore. Now, he's in a little bit of limbo and tweener at the six foot 225, and that's why you end up going undrafted, right? But But every player whether it's a sub-package role or a special teams role, if you have enough juice and the, the explosiveness numbers would li- would give you some level of indication that he, he has some juice, and he's almost got 32-inch arms for being somebody who's only six foot tall, so he's got decent length for his stature too. Can you go out and make the, t- the team on special teams? Can you go out and play on kick coverages and be a demon and play with your hair on fire? And, and if he can do that, I think that's probably his pathway to the roster. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about making special teams plays, and I think for any linebacker on the back of the roster, that's what you have to do, right? Troy Brown's one, another linebacker they brought in that I'm sure will be asked to do the same. Deontay Johnson, the inside linebacker out of Toledo, 6'2", 235. Yeah, he's kind of the inverse, where he's 
He's been highly, highly productive out of Toledo, but he doesn't have the athletic profile of somebody. So, so that you know gives you an indication. This is somebody who has a really good nose for the football, has good instincts, but he doesn't have the athletic profile to match it to really command a, a demand for him in the pre-draft process. So that's that's also not necessarily a bad thing to have that level of competition and have different kinds of skill sets to see, okay, you know, this is maybe a more subspecific. This is maybe more of a developmental type. Now you've seen sub athletic linebackers find roles and take snaps. He's just never or unlikely going to be a hundred percent or 90% snap taker in your defense. But well, 235 is a really sturdy build. You got good football instincts and knows for the football. How quickly can you make that impression and probably be an early down linebacker would be his ideal path in my eyes. Yeah, agree 100%. All right, let's jump over to offense. And I think probably the name here besides Baldonado that Giant fans from listening to all the work you've done here on the draft know is Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver Mm -hmm. out of West Virginia. I was very surprised he did not go drafted, Kyle, given his size and his athletic traits. Uh, Why do you think he did go undrafted and then tell fans a little bit about him? Yeah, so this is a player I actually know really well. He was in my region in the fall, so I I watched him quite a bit. It's always felt like with Bryce Ford Wheaton, there's these flashes, and he became a more high-volume player in the offense this year, and that obviously led to more production. But there's some really ugly drops on tape, and it's really frustrating. And I think as a route runner in that West Virginia offense, he was a little bit one-dimensional. So uh, I think you have a player who has height, weight, speed components, but the consistency with the hands and at the catch point, uh, the season opener, he he dropped a, a ball, I think it was against Pittsburgh, that actually got tipped up in the air and ran back for a pick six, and it was like a back-breaking mistake. And you felt for him because he was super productive in that game. But uh, it's, it's, it's just hard to gloss over some of the routine plays that literally and figuratively have slipped through his fingers throughout the course of his career that's kind of always been there for him. I liken him to a player... Uh, like Preston Williams coming out of Colorado State, uh, who was a UDFA with the Dolphins and latched on for a couple of years, um, had an injury that that cut his prime window on his rookie contract short. But there's ups and downs, there's ebbs and flows, consistency is always, always going to be an issue. But that guy has things that you just can't coach in a player. And players like that are always going to get opportunities. The challenge for Bryce, I think, is going to be coming into this offense. And is he somebody who can push Jalen Hyatt, you know, because I think Hyatt in the routes that Jalen Hyatt won have some overlap with where Bryce Ford Wheaton is at his best as well. So I think that's a a storyline to watch is whatever that role that they envisioned for Hyatt in the offense, I would expect Ford Wheaton to get some similar opportunities throughout the course of training camp of the preseason. And you mentioned his traits. I mean, if you just look at his combine testing, you would think this guy is going to be a you know top three round pick. So just just tell the folks what you think if he smooths some of these issues out. What his upside is based on his side, speed, weight, RAS score, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's physicality. It's explosive vertical speed. I think he's on his best on the vertical plane. So in an ideal situation. He refines himself to defeat press coverage, right? West Virginia played in the Big 12. They, they see a lot of drop eight coverage, a lot of zone. You don't get a lot of press man coverage on the outside. How quickly can he acclimate to that element of NFL football? And if he could stack guys in the contact window and run routes vertically down the field, he can be a big play weapon for somebody in the passing game, provided that he's consistently catching the football. So uh, of all the UDFAs that, that the Giants have brought in, 
I think the skill set here to have a pathway to be a consistent contributor on an NFL roster, Ford Wheaton's got the goods. All right, the other offensive players, Tommy DeVito, Jersey kid, Don Bosco, went to Syracuse, transferred to Illinois. I know he probably, talking to some friends of mine that are big Syracuse fans, they were probably a little bit disappointed with his overall production up there. Uh, your thoughts on DeVito and what he can bring as kind of that developmental quarterback, which the Giants right now do not have on their roster. Yeah, it's a tough, uh, mobile, uses his legs. Consistency with decision-making and accuracy has kind of been what's what's bit him. But even that the infrastructure that Syracuse offense, they, they haven't had a lot to work with. Uh, throughout the course of the past several seasons. So it's kind of hard when you're playing in the ACC to compete against some of these other bigger programs. And then he obviously transfers to Illinois, and Illinois has this phenomenal defense this past year in the Big Ten, and it kept them competitive in a lot of games. But even there, the offense, it was Chase Brown, who ended up being, I think, a fifth-round pick when it was all said and done, and not much else. So he's he's been in spots where he just hasn't had a lot of help around him, but I do think he has – exacerbated some of his own issues with frustrating decision-making in real time. And just from an accuracy perspective, you, you have to hope that he continues to take strides to be more accurate as a player. But I, I like his toughness. I like his grittiness. I like his ability to use his legs. I like his willingness to take hits and try to make plays happen. What are his raw tools in terms of arm strength and athleticism? Uh, I'd say his athleticism is good. I would say his arm strength is above average. So, I mean, it's, for a developmental type, that's a UDFA that if you want to stash on the practice squad and carry him through, I think that's the perfect kind of player for this. It's just to get anything of substance on a, a 53, you're probably going to need to catch lightning in a bottle, and he's going to have to experience epiphany with the light come on that hasn't come on yet. Absolutely. By the way, folks, FYI, we're working off um, kind of like non-official list here. So if the Giants end up signing someone additional that we don't talk about here is because they've kind of snuck it in under the goal line and we haven't seen it. Uh, so we're doing our best. Cameron Lyons, long snapper, another guy the Giants have reportedly brought in uh, to sign. And then there's some rookie invite camp invites, Kyle. Anybody from that list really jump out to you that that you think could make some noise? Uh, anytime I get in a, a service academy, kid, my, my ears at least perk up a little bit. So uh, Hazik Daniels, multi-tool offensive weaponry. You know, there, there's been a nice little pipeline of service academy kids who have come through. And uh, Malcolm Perry's another one in recent years from Navy, the quarterback who um, those guys are are usually real hard-nosed, blue-collar football players and play tough. So uh, anytime you get a util weapon like that, uh, that's at least something that I'm interested to see how he does in a training camp situation. And I think you trust the Giants offensive coaching staff to make the most out of these guys and put them in a situation where they can succeed. I'm with you. All right, let, let, let's get to the draft class. And you can take any direction you want to start here, Kyle. What do you want to talk about? Uh, I love the addition of John Michael Schmitz at center uh, for this Giants team. The Giants were one of the teams in the fall that I had for pro scouting. So I watched him every three weeks. And it was apparent, A, how good Andrew Thomas was. And then it was apparent how toolsy but inconsistent Evan Neal was in his rookie season. And it was also apparent that we need some help on the inside on the interior trio. And if you'd have told me they'd have picked Michael Schmitz in the first round, I'd probably have been a little bit surprised. But from a needs base and, and what I think the floor is for Michael Schmitz as a player, I wouldn't have blinked an eye and thought that it was out of place. And for them to get him in the late 50s, I think is great value. Uh, the interior offensive linemen in this class were not coveted. We didn't have any go in the in the first round. Uh, Steve Avila with the Rams just at, out inside the top 40 was kind of where the run started. 
But uh, Michael Schmitz, I think he's really good with his hands. He's got a wrestling background. He leverages gaps really well. He's not the most dynamic, but I think the football intelligence here is what really allows him to to shine as being an anchor in the middle. And he's like 310 pounds. He's not one of these 290, 295-pound yeah. centers that you have to worry about getting covered up with a nose tackle, especially with the Cowboys going out and drafting Mozzie Smith and Jordan Davis in Philadelphia. Like He's a bigger center. He's going to be able to hold his own. So out of all the picks that the Giants made, I, I, I like Deontay Banks. I get why that was a Wink Martindale selection. I like Jalen Hyatt. I think the vertical component in the passing game is going to be really helpful for them. But John Michael Schmitz was the one that I was like, yeah, that that's they're really going to feel that player early on in my mind because of what he brings and, and how much they needed an upgrade there. Yeah, we've talked about it here. Why do you think uh, Deontay Banks fits what Wink wants to do so much? Well, they're, they're just such an aggressive defense. And you look at what Wink has had at his disposal – in his previous stops and and Marlon Humphrey and Baltimore. And I, I think that kind of archetype of a corner banks, that's where he's at his best when you let him play inside the contact window and really play in the face. And when you want to play zone coverage out of that and play these guys in a half turn and they're going to play cover three, you're not doing it like a pure back pedal, but it's going to be back to the sideline eyes through the quarterback and, that length makes it really difficult to throw over top of him in those situations just because he's so long, he really squeezes that throwing window, that that red line between where the receiver is at and the boundary that you got to get the ball up and over on the outside shoulder if you're going to take shots down the field. Banks is suffocating in those areas. So you've got all this length at the line of scrimmage. You've got the physicality. you got the right demeanor to, to play forward if he has to step up and run support. And then you have that length in zone situations that – I think as as the Giants want to bring pressure and mix and max man coverage that disrupts timing with route releases, we're going to play zone and try and force with pressures you to throw quickly and make quick decisions, and we're going to be reading you the, the entire way. He's got the right balance of skill set in my mind to really be an effective player for the Giants at corner. Hey Kyle, if I had to guess, just based on where Hendon Hooker went, when Hendon Hooker went, same for Tillman and Hyatt, I think NFL teams probably ding the Tennessee offensive scheme a little bit where it's like, well, how does this translate? We're not sure. So your thoughts on Hyatt, where he can contribute right away, but then where the potential for growth is for him as he kind of learns to play in a more pro-like system. Yeah, and I think NFL teams are right to question the translatability of that immediately because the spacing is unlike anything that you ever see in the NFL. You've already heard... A lot of analysts liken college football is almost kind of pseudo different game than the pro game just because of the way that the rules are and the, yeah, the spacing, hash marks, the right? Hashes, yeah. right. So from a spacing perspective, the way Tennessee does it, it's fun, it's wide open, it's high paced. There's not a lot of reps that you can take out of that as an 11 on 11 environment and transplant it into an NFL offense. Now, I think with Jalen Hyatt, whether he's playing on the perimeter or he's playing in the slot, there are individual things that he does that I do think do translate. And uh, I think this is the player that maybe Giants fans hoped uh, that that Darius Slayton was going to be when he made his his splash early on and he put up the 800 receiving yards or whatever it was as a fifth-round pick. And just the the height, weight, speed, vertical component down the field, the Giants are going to run the ball uh, you obviously with, with bringing Saquon Barkley back, that's going to be a presence. Daniel Jones and his athleticism, you're picking up an extra gap in the run game in that regard when you want to call your shots there. And to be able to build off of that with play action passing and trying to get Hyatt in situations where teams are rolling that safety down to try and get that extra hat in the box and you're in cover one or, or 
one high coverages down the field shots are where he was at his best. He's got really good speed. He's got really good ball tracking ability. So let him work the Island on the outside. I think that's the pathway for him to immediately translate. The challenge is good corners at the NFL level who are proficient in press coverage and don't panic and have good speed. They're going to test his technique at the line of scrimmage. So that's the biggest thing for me for Hyatt is right away. How do you be press coverage? Same question that we had for Ford Wheaton. And then long-term it's, how many clubs can you add to your bag to run routes off of that same kind of vertical stem where you're pushing really hard? If you can get really proficient with your footwork at the top of routes that snap back down against the line of scrimmage, if teams are going to play you really soft and try to respect your vertical speed, you got a lot of pitch and catch opportunities, but you have to be refined with your feet and make sure that you're really polishing route running. Yeah, no reason to think he can't do it. He just hasn't really been asked to do it yet. So 100% right. with you. Eric Gray, I mean, I think he can step in right away and, and, and help in the passing game, Kyle. He's good route runner. He catches it naturally. Uh, I think he's very elusive in the open field. I mean, I can't remember how many times I saw him not just, you know, juke somebody one-on-one, but spin them around like a top when he has him in the open field. I, I think he's a really good player. Yeah, he, he's kind of floated under the radar here for a little bit. Uh, obviously started at Tennessee and transfers to Oklahoma, and you think the big year is going to come, and then they go with a different back his first year there, and then he comes back to school and finally lives up to the potential. Uh, I was surprised he didn't run all that well, but the short area explosiveness of his cuts is what really pops to me. Like He's an angry runner, and when he sticks his foot in the ground – He's got some of that really dynamic bounce to change directions where he's running hard, foot in the ground, and he's going 90 degrees in a different direction. And, and John, as you said, that they put some of these guys in a blender where yeah, he'll make a lot guys look silly on the edge if he's pressing outside. And, and then obviously the contributions in the passing game. So I think this is a great fresh set of legs, change of pace, uh, but still physical presence to go with Saquon in that offensive backfield and, uh, I think he's going to find himself very quickly ingratiating himself to Giants fans for just the style of football in which he plays. Yeah, I like these shorter running backs that have that low center of gravity. I think they can kind of run above their weight class um, because it just it, it, it's hard to bring them down with the contact balance. Yeah, three more three more picks here, Kyle. Uh, sixth round, Trey Hawkins, Old Dominion corner. Your thoughts on him watching him on tape? He just seems to be one of these guys that has the traits Wink would like, and now you just got to develop him a little bit. Yeah, and I mean we're we're talking big long corners, right? And here's six two one ninety and old Dominion uh, transferred into Old Dominion in twenty twenty. Didn't play because of the COVID season, so he's twenty five game starter at Old Dominion. He's been productive, uh, played on special teams to some degree as well. I believe he has a block kick on his resume as well. So for these late round picks, they're developmental body types and guys that can play on teams. And the fact that that he brings that to the table, I, I certainly think this is a player who. Uh, is going to push for a 53 spot. Obviously, you know, you, you're getting this late in the draft. If, if Unless you're drafting really role-specific type players, the expectations for them to make your active roster are not guaranteed. But I think there's a number of different pathways for Hawkins, and he's a pretty intriguing player. I'm interested to see how he does. Yeah, I'm not sure Jordan Riley's going to give you much on teams. A little <laughs> No. <laughs> Though I would love to see him try to run down and kickoffs just for the visual. But you generally do not find men that are 330 pounds in the seventh round. And I, I think the Giants figured, look, he's got unique size. Maybe we can turn him into something. Yeah, for sure. Almost 340 pounds, six foot five. And the nose tackle is a little bit of a dying art 
in the NFL these days. And that's why you see these guys that that slip so far in the draft, just because they're perceived to be relatively easily replaced. The skill sets, unless you're getting a really play rare player like a Javon Hargrave, who signs for $21 million with the 49ers this offseason because he can get 10 sacks to go with dominating or that dude in New York, Dexter Lawrence, is a pretty rare breed in his own right with the sack production and the growth that he's shown on passing downs this this past year. So uh, that's not a bad player for a guy like Jordan Riley to kind of get behind and learn from just because the mass is there. I think he is pretty nimble for a bigger guy. So I'm interested to see uh, just what he's able to do to impress with this giant staff whether or not he's worth hanging on to trying to develop stash on the practice squad, make the 53 initially, just because if, you know, when, when teams kind of first flush on the, the big cut down the 53, um, there's a lot of plucking and weeding through the waiver wire that happens. Sometimes you'll see players that initially make it in an effort to, okay, we're going to let the purge happen and all these other commitments happen. And then maybe then stash him. I'd be interested to see if they're really interested in just holding on to this guy because of his frame. All right, and then finally, Javarius Owens out of Houston. I went back and I watched him, Kyle, and I watched his pass defense first, and I'm like, you know what? He's got a he's got eyes for the football. He can locate it. He can make plays in the ball. I think he has good instincts and coverage, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy went to the seventh round. Then I watched him tackle in, in the run game and even on, on, on some catches, and I'm like, all right, well, now I see why maybe teams are a little worried about him because he did have some missed tackles on his tape. Your thoughts on Owens? Yeah, safeties who don't contact don't, don't tackle consistently on the back end are always going to get teams a little leery, right? And um, doesn't doesn't really matter who's the kid from Louisville like almost ten years ago now have four like fourteen interceptions, and then he still went in the seventh round because he just didn't tackle all that well. So there there's um, there's concerns there with with Owens that I get. Uh, I do think from an athletic profile perspective. This is somebody worth rolling the dice on. Uh, we've talked a little bit about special teams with these late round guys in UDFAs, but that's a concern for Owens too, because on teams, if you're running down covering kicks, you got a lot of grass to cover, and then you got to come to balance and make the tackle. So yeah. I think that's the biggest storyline for Owens is how much growth can you show, which I don't have a great deal of confidence that we're going to see a ton just because this was a pretty well-established player at Houston. Yeah, and we'll have to see if he can earn his way. Because you're right, if he's going to make the team, he's going to have to contribute on special teams, Kyle. I'm with you that 100%. So you mentioned, you know, the Giants were were part of your pro-scouting responsibilities last year. So give me a feel, just in terms of where you think the Giants are in, in larger context, how they're building, and kind of where they are trying to chase down the Cowboys and Eagles in the NFC East. Yeah, uh, I was a little surprised how ambitious this offseason felt after nine, seven and one, but they, I mean, they want a playoff game, right? So you extend Daniel Jones, you franchise tag Saquon Barkley, you trade for Darren Waller. Like those are moves that very clearly indicate, Hey, we, we think we're knocking on the door or something here. And when I, when I reflect back on watching the giants play, what really struck me was how well schemed and coached the team was. So from a coaching perspective, situational football was off the charts. Uh, a lot of the ways that they were scheming players open in the passing game, I really appreciated as well. And that was, you know, in spite of some injuries and losing some more of their more dynamic players in the passing game, in spite of not having good interior offensive line play in my estimation from just watching the talent that they had available and 
the complications that that presented for Daniel Jones playing consistently down in and down out. So you feel, okay, well, now let's go get a Jalen Hyatt field stretcher. Let's go get a Darren Waller middle of the field type player. And now we don't have to work so hard to scheme some of these guys open. And look, I love the story of Isaiah Hodgins, right? He's just an awesome player, uh, awesome story of a player who's been through adversity and finally got an opportunity and he made the most of it last year. But that's a player who was in the situation that he was because the athletic profile was not a mismatch for NFL defenders once he got to this level. But when they're scheming the scheme as well as they did, you see a player who has really good concentration, has physicality, has good hands. And now all of a sudden he's starting to make some plays. Well, what happens when you get some other players and pieces around him that do start to present some physical mismatch propositions? And I think that's what I'm most excited for for the Giants because if they're able to sustain how well they were coached and how well they schemed up their concepts last year, the floor is going to be right around where it was last year. And then it's up to the new pieces to give them some more game-breaking, game-changing, explosive plays, flip the field, get more points on the board, and put yourself in a position to win a couple more football games. Yeah, I think ideally, right, Hodgins is probably a number three type-ish yeah. possession big receiver. But I, I think to your point, when you watch the Giants last year, they, aside from some Barkley runs, they were such a station-to-station -station type of team where yeah. they were able to kind of slowly bring you know bring the team down the field. To your point, they were really good in, in their red zone situation, so they were able to pay off most of those drives with touchdowns. But I really think the coaching staff understood they had to become more explosive this offseason. And even though you didn't get that 1A wide receiver, you get an explosive player in Waller, you draft Hyatt, uh, you bring Paris Campbell in, who's got a lot of speed. I think the main goal this offseason to me, Kyle, was just make more big plays offensively because you probably can't sustain the way you succeeded on offense last year for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's a it's a hard way to make a living to, to consistently string eight, 12 play drives yeah. together to go score touchdowns, right? So, and, and I believe the Giants were one of the better teams. I think they were the top 12 in turnover differential last year. Yep. Uh, so they were like negative 10 points or something like that in point differential. They were 15th in scoring offense. I think they were 15, 18th in scoring defense. So like a lot of middle of the road type stuff, the sustainability of that year over year to your point, John, it's really dangerous to bet on that being your formula to happen again. So you had to go out and get some different players to do some things differently. And I think they, they certainly told you that they felt they, I had identified the kinds of pieces to allow that to happen. And then defensively, I think you just hope to see continued growth, right? You hope the guys that you drafted the last couple of years continue to improve. Does McKinney finally take that that leap to all pro level player? Does Ozo Ojolari and Thibodeau do they realize their pass rush potential and become more consistent? Does Ojolari stay healthy? Is Thibodeau healthy the whole year? You know, you saw Dexter Lawrence take that jump in year three last year. So I think defensively, one more year in the scheme, you had Deontay Banks, you hope Dory Jackson's healthy the whole year, that those guys kind of grow together and Wink can kind of do more of what he wanted to do um, over a longer part of the season. Because we saw, and you watched the games, he had to go to a lot of his own concepts when they played yeah. better passing teams at the end of the year, which you know is something he doesn't want to do, but he had to. You hope now with the guys they've added, he can do more of what he wants, even against some of the teams that maybe have some more offensive weapons. You know, not not for nothing either. I really like the additions of Bobby McCain and Bobby Okereke to this oh, yeah. defense too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, you know, Bobby, former nickel corner with Miami, goes to Washington, plays free safety there for a couple of years. 
good ball skills, still a pretty sturdy player. I know tackling there has, has kind of always been something for him that you wish was a touch better, but he's got good instincts. And now he has a couple years of playing safety under his belt. And, and O'Kerke is really long and athletic. And that's a pretty common theme for a lot of successful defenses, having length and athleticism on the second level for just how much of the middle of the field areas that they can account for. And I don't think the Giants had that player last year. So yeah. uh, to be able to to put in O'Kerke and, and hope that, his range and all the things that he did well in Indianapolis behind what was a sturdy defensive line and Grover Stewart protecting him as a stack linebacker, you're going into a situation that has the same elements playing in front of you to protect you and allow you to make plays. So I like those two additions for the Giants too. Yeah, and look, they had to play better run defense, Kyle. You're in a division with the Eagles who in you know the two games where they actually played their starters ran for more than 200 yards against you. Can't win games, giving up two to 250 yep. on the ground against your division rival. So, you know, you mentioned Okereke, huge addition. Also, Ashawn Robinson and Nacho from, from Tampa, two guys that go onto the radar, but at least their bodies. And, you know, I think Wink, because he didn't trust his corners, had to keep two safeties deep more in his defense. Now maybe you can, you know, be more comfortable doing that because you have some bigger bodies up front. So maybe you're not dominant against the run, but at least you're not getting diced up against the run where it's really hard to win those games. Yeah, for sure. And, and it all, it's funny how it all ties together, right? So we, we just got done talking about the Giants and Jalen Hyatt and less too high safety shells and trying to establish the run and say, well, the coin goes on both sides, right? right? And the other side of that coin for New York is they, they felt that themselves in protecting their corners and trying to limit explosive plays, which was inhibited in large part because the Giants didn't create enough explosive plays last year. So I think you, you see a very clear vision that is going to allow you to play more aggressive and more dynamic on both sides of the ball. So you don't have to just get by by being one of the most consistently coached teams week in and week out. And well, you you need that in the East because you think about the NFC landscape and I think two of everybody's top four consensus teams in the conference are the other two teams in the division that went to the postseason in front of you last year. So you got to chase those guys down as best you can. And I, I think they are on the right path and, and continuity with the coaching staff in year two and, and building on what they had last year and hopefully getting more from Daniel Jones uh, in the passing game with more explosive plays for guys that can help him will create another memorable season for the Giants. All right, final question. Uh, you said you've had some time to reorient about what teams did in the draft and just give me your big picture thoughts on how the draft went, things that surprised you, things that stood out, things that you think are most important that Giant fans, when looking at the league as a whole, should kind of keep in mind that you saw other teams around the league building through the draft. Yeah, so I, I was surprised by, we, we talked a little bit about Tommy DeVito and developmental quarterbacks. We had an obscene number of like day three <laughs> quarterbacks drafted this year, and everybody's looking for the, the Brock Purdy, right? And that's a dangerous game to start playing that game but looking for the next Brock Purdy. But that was one thing that surprised me uh, quite a bit. Which, which, just, which, by the way, B, is not everyone has Kyle Shanahan to put into a system. Right. You know what I mean? Right. This is the same system that saw Nick Mullins come in as a seventh-round pick and C.J. Beathard, yep. who's been a career backup journeyman player, come in and have like 350-yard passing games in the same offense. So I wouldn't try to replicate it. Bravo, kudos to the Giants for not trying to replicate it and, and I think making more of their day three picks. But uh, – that was a trend that really surprised me. Uh, and, and then one thing, just looking at within the division, I'm kind of surprised with what Dallas has going on offensively. They obviously moved on from Kellen Moore. 
They've cut Ezekiel Elliott as a post-June 1st designation. Their running back right now, rumor right now is Tony Pollard coming off a season-ending injury on the franchise tag. And then, like, Deuce Vaughn's, like, probably the two right now. And that's Dude, a team like, that's Rico always... Rico Dowdle, right? Is, Rico is Dowdle yeah, is from South Carolina. Is like another... So, like, this has always historically been a team that's been at his best when they're running the ball. And McCarthy's taking over play-calling duties for Kellen Moore. Like, I just think there's some really interesting elements with the Cowboys that is a little bit of a departure from under Dak Prescott when they've been at their best that I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. But I think there are things that help in my mind, the giants in those head to head matchups with Dallas. I wonder if Zeke goes back there on a really small contract at some point, because that doesn't sound like there's much interest elsewhere. So if he's going to sign a small contract, why just, why not just stay where you're at and just go back to Dallas? Honestly, I would, I would, support Dallas for making the move if they did, just because they they need the bodies there. And, and obviously Deuce Vaughn, as cool as that story was for his dad to give him the call on draft day and announce that they were they were going to make him the pick there and share that with with his son. Deuce is like five six, like 185. So that's that's not a guy that's going to pound the ball between the rocks. It's certainly not what Ezekiel Elliott is as a player. So I think they are missing that element and, and how they try to replace that. Are you going to just try to be a true McCarthy West Coast offense that's going to pass the ball at an even higher rate and put the ball in Dak's hands? And is that the best idea with Dak Prescott and what he's historically been when you've tried to be in high, high passing volume offense? Like there's just some questions there that I'm interested to see how it plays out. And I think if there was one thing that Ezekiel Elliott was still really good at, Kyle, it was short yardage stuff. Like he was still good in third and ones goal line. He got the ball in the end zone. I think those are things he's still kind of uh Excel that good stuff, my friend. Tell the folks uh, where they can find all your stuff, man. Yeah, so I'm on social media at grinding the tape. I'm on the locked on NFL scouting podcast with Joe Marino. We do team building, big picture, top down across the entire league, which is really fun to kind of put our GM hats on and digest decisions as they're being made and evaluate rosters and evaluate college prospects and do all kinds of draft content too. So a little bit of a change for, for Joe and myself, but it's been really invigorating and a lot of fun to take a new angle with all these big picture topics that we're, we're all talking about so much and we love so much. And you hear it. These guys do their work on the draft. I mean, he was knocking off undrafted free agents. So he knows this stuff, Kyle, good stuff, my friend, enjoy your, off season and <laughs> that was me doing air quotes for the people listening to this and we will talk to you soon all right pal thanks john kyle krabs john settle podcast brought to you by psng thanks for joining us everybody we'll see you next time with the new dexcom g7 you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks it sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading see how food and exercise affects your glucose making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your a1c take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended cgm brand it's easy to get started today at dexcom.com that's dexcom.com dexcom data on file 2023 if your glucose alerts and readings from the g7 do not match symptoms or expectations use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions for a list of compatible devices visit dexcom.com compatibility getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.